Well, welcome back. My name is John Duvall, and this is the Truth Factor Discussion. It has been a little bit, hasn't it? I think we had our last study probably sometime around March of 2020 when we completed our Roman study. So you need to bear with us if you would. It's kind of like going out to your car that's been parked for a couple of years and getting in it and making sure everything functions properly. We might still have a few glitches. We've all live streamed since that year, but this particular setup, uh, there's a few little oddities about it. So we might have a few glitches. I want to thank you for joining us for our study today. Now, there's a couple of things that I invite you to do, and we'll say this as we go through the study. If you're follow, if you're watching this via our Facebook channel, which is Truth Factor Live, we invite you to follow that page so you'll receive notifications when we do go live. Um, if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, which is also Truth Factor Live, you can um, like the video if you like it and subscribe to the channel if you'd like to do that. That way you'll receive notifications that way. Uh, we do have different ways that you can participate in the study. Let's see if I can bring that up here real quick. You'll see it on the ticker down at the bottom of the screen there, but over to the right-hand side, there's our social media. You can also send a comment via Twitter if you'd like to do that. You just need to tag Truth Factor in it, and the system will search for those tweets, and we'll bring it up here before us as well. And we'll bring this up. And, and if you want to contact the men individually, they're their email addresses, questions at, Brendan at, Brian at, you kind of get the idea, at truthfactor.com. All right, so let's see. So here's what we wanted to talk about in our first study back. And as you may have seen in the various posts we sent out, we're going to be looking at five lessons learned from the pandemic. But before we get there, because that's the year that we kind of paused our study, let's see where everybody has been, how things have been going. And there are some things we'll talk about that we have experienced individually from that as part of the lesson process. Um, but let's start with, with Paul, since, since you're already up there on the Zoom channel. What are, you know, what have you been up to, if you would, since, since then? Well, it's been an unusual experience, uh, with, uh, some of the, uh, modifications that we made, uh, difficulties that we uh, faced. Uh, I've had uh, COVID myself twice. Uh, no major problems with that, but um, the congregation here uh, lost, um, I think it was three members, if I remember correctly, uh, that died due to complications from COVID. And so it's been, uh, that was very, uh, very difficult for us. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're coming through this, coming out of this, seeing improvements, and uh, especially glad to be back here on the Truth Factor discussion at a new time, or same time, new day, uh, that we can study together. I appreciate that. And, and that's a very good point. Someone may wonder, why are we on a different day and not the good old Wednesday time slot? Well, someone took our time slot, sort of. <laughs> there was another study going on at the same time. And, and as we kind of stepped away, they've got their footing very well. And that's perfectly fine. So we thought it'd be better to have it on a different day. So, all right. Appreciate that. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> We'll figure out who to blame. So let's see. Let's go to the next one. How about you, uh, Brian? How have things been in your life since that year? Well, so in March 2022, I was uh, working as the evangelist at the Sunset Church of Christ. I was also serving as one of the elders at the Sunset Church of Christ. A lot of changes happened to our congregation. 
um, as an indirect result of COVID. People started working from home, and uh, a lot of our members work in the technology uh, area. Uh, Portland's a very high cost of living area. So we saw about 40% of our members move uh, back east to different locations where there was a cheaper cost of living, where uh, there wasn't such a um, anti-religious feeling to a community. So uh, we ended up dissolving the eldership and we had to make some really tough decisions. And one of those decisions was having uh, not able to support, well, we hadn't been able to support the evangelist. We weren't able to uh, really even afford the location we were renting. Uh, we made the determination to merge and start a new work with another congregation. So I'm now the evangelist at the Cornelius Church of Christ. Cornelius is a small community that's uh, about halfway between uh, where we, the, where the Sunset Congregation was, and the other congregation we merged with, the Forest Grove Congregation, met. So that's a new work that we're really excited about. So um, good things in the end coming out of that, but a lot of change. Change doesn't always feel good. So I think a lot of people would say it didn't feel good at the time, but ultimately we're able to do God's work and I think we're able to do it more effectively. So I think we're really, really pretty pleased with it. Well, good. Now you're, you're like Tom, you're over out there on the West coast. And um, did you find kind of the lockdowns to be a little bit more tedious you know, it's interesting because uh, just south of us, California, um, without without waxing political, uh, California mm -hmm. had some pretty tight lockdown laws. Um, Oregon typically follows California in a political sense. We're a one-party state, so to speak, and uh, our politics tend to follow theirs. But frankly, um, this is where being an unreligious state helped us because um, – there just aren't enough people in the state of Oregon going to church that it really impacted or caused issues. So we really didn't see any kind of problems from the state. We were worried we might, but frankly, uh, sadly, church participation of any kind is just such a, a low uh, invested effort in our communities that we just never really saw any kind of problems. So while we anticipated that, and a lot of people would have expected it, we really didn't have any kind of issues at that time. Hmm, okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, let's bring in Brendan. You're out still in Arizona, aren't you? Yep. And as far as I'm concerned, this is the furthest west the country goes. So uh, <laughs> everything further west is a late. No, I'm kidding. Um, so it's, I've actually been off the program a lot longer Um it was Brian's fault I got brought in to begin with, and when I was my own panelist, I had just started my first full-time work, having completed my training in Oregon, and I bowed at, the, at that time as the workload was just a lot, getting adjusted and everything. Um, that was a couple of years ago, so um, I hit my fifth year here at Country Club Road in September, so started the sixth year proper after that. Um, COVID, you know, we we were very fortunate and very blessed with how it all worked out. We were able to keep the morning assembly the whole time. Okay. Uh, we changed a few things on how we did stuff, and you know, we'll get into some of that uh, when we talk about the lessons learned. Uh, but, you know, we kind of broke even. If we're talking numbers, we had some people move away due to employment and then 
couple months after they moved away, we got new families showing up. And so we, I feel like we're in a good spot post COVID. Uh, I'll talk about that, but it, it definitely feels like a James one, three through four experience for us that we were, we were tested and we've come through the test. We've been refined and we're, we're stronger for it. So, um, but yeah, so things are still warm and sunny down here. Uh, and I won't complain about that. So it's it's good to be back with her discussions again. So, well, good. All right. And let's see, Paul, and let's start. Let's go to Tom, and then we'll end up with Paul real quick. <clears throat> okay. Uh, uh, of course, yeah, I'm still here in Belfire. I've actually been here about 27 years. Uh, and and uh, you may recall that just prior, well, I don't know if I said anything, but ju- just prior to COVID, I was actually appointed as one of the elders of the congregation. We. We, we are a small congregation, a very small congregation in a lot of ways, but we're, we're fortunate to have elders. We lost two members due to COVID, but we've learned to adapt a lot, you know, and, 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 you know, you know, based on what, uh, based on what Brendan just said, uh, John, it looks like you have a international panel right now. So, so uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, but the bottom line is, you know, uh, we had to adapt to a lot of things. We, we, yeah. we are one of the congregations that kind of took the position that, to the best of our ability, we tried to comply with the local laws, and and, and as a result of that, we were slow. We we were slow in getting things back. We actually met in our parking lot for for probably six or seven months, and then we slowly went into one one morning service at the building and then finally we went to the evening and and all d- during this time i learned to record my lessons and so we now have a youtube channel facebook channel and, and i'm still recording lessons and so on we actually didn't get back to in-person classes until this past sunday we, we have been doing it virtually and of course we have a we have a diverse membership from the standpoint of covid and when I get to my point, you know, that's that's one of the observations that I'm making about yeah. that. We, uh, we have people on both spectrums, you know, as to all the elements associated with COVID and stuff like that. And we're still we're still dealing with that. And I can say a whole lot more about different things that have changed. But 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 we've, we've come through it. Uh, we're doing OK. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wish I could say more than that. I, I there, think there's challenges. Yeah, but that's it. I think people out in California really suffered more. Christians did as far as in the lockdown and the mandates and everything, but but that's that's for another discussion. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and bear in mind we are in Los Angeles County. Yeah. So 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 we got hit we got hit double barrel. We got yeah. hit from state as well as county when when <clears throat> when other when other counties were letting up. Ours wasn't. Yeah. All right. And Tom, how about, or Paul? You want to bring us up to date? Oh, you went went first. first. Did we do everybody? Okay. Superb. Uh, John, how'd things go with you? I don't think you said anything. Yeah, we haven't heard from you. (laughs) Oh, it's pretty much, pretty much the same. Um, We, um, we're one of the congregations that we shut down for five weeks and then we brought back Sunday morning worship and everything was online you know of course before that but then we did our bible classes and stuff and then brought sunday night back in and then finally got our in-person bible classes back um but 
One of the things we'll talk about later has to do with um, the the effects of not having in-person worship and how that can affect congregations and stuff. And we've been very blessed blessed here. On, on, a, on a very personal note, my eighth grandchild was born uh, back in December. So I'm, I'm like Brendan. I'm holding my young age, youthful age very well. So um, you can't tell that. So anyway. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's see. All right, John, let's go ahead and get in. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Grandchildren? What mm-hmm. are grandchildren? <laughs> All right. There <clears throat> they, just when you think you're done spending money on your own kids, they come along and say, here, we've got children we want you to spend money on also. So, yeah. <laughs> of course, you do it with a smile then because you love spending money on grandkids because you're trying to get into heaven. Um, but when your own kids kind of gripe a little bit about it. That's from an old skit years ago. All right. So, again, if you have any thoughts or comments, we'd love to hear from you. On our Facebook um, feed, on the live stream there, there's a comment area. You can drop your questions and comments there. On our YouTube channel, there's also a comment area there. Participate that way. You can send any questions or comments you have via Twitter if you would like. Just be sure to put at Truth Factor, and that will come up in our feed. So let's go ahead. The, the first, So the first one we're going to turn... I'm going to go ahead and introduce one of the first lessons that, and, and there's a lot of things we could really talk about, so it's kind of difficult willing it down. I do want to make this a study of where we gripe to complain about the whole process. There's a lot, of course, we could say about that. But I think one of the big lessons that struck me when we first started the pandemic was we need to remember to always trust the Lord. Okay, that was that was a big thing from the get go. I mean, the, think about the virus and how big the scare was. Yes, a lot of people died from it, but I also blame the medical profession because in the very beginning they were trying to figure out how to treat it. They kind of seemingly threw out the old way of treating things and tried different things. But yes, it was a very very scary thing. But in the end, it was upon Christians to continue trusting the Lord. When you, you sit down and you study the scriptures, you think of fellows like Joseph. Joseph was sold into Egypt. The Lord didn't say, hey, Joseph, you know, the son of Jacob, I got some good news for you. You're going to have a wonderful life without any problems. No, he went down and suffered in Egypt. Now, he was working a plan of God. I realize that. But that man suffered while down in Egypt. When you look at what Jeremiah went through as a prophet of God, when you look at what Daniel went through when he was in the land of Babylon, when you look at even coming into the New Testament time period, we don't find the Lord promising his followers that life is going to be a rose garden, that there are not going to be any problems or any sufferings. When you think about the apostles themselves, Jesus right off the bat, Jesus was martyred. He was put to death for our salvation. That's a very violent beginning, if you look at it from a very physical standpoint, the way that he died. And so for us to think that if God is with us, then our life is going to be just peaceful in paradise here on this earth, that's a misunderstanding. And so what happens oftentimes when things begin to get difficult, the question is kind of, well, where is God in this? Why is God letting me go through all this? And so people want to start blaming God. But here's the thing. You think about the death of Stephen, the death of James, the the punishment persecution that the apostle Paul went through. And by tradition, Peter and all the apostles except for John died, uh, were martyrs for the cause of Christ. 
You think of everything they went through, and even Peter's own words about if Jesus suffered, then we must suffer also. We have to ask ourselves, then what is God doing in all this? He's letting me suffer. He let me get COVID. You know, he let my loved one die because of COVID. What is God taking care of? Well, here's where we have to recognize that the most important thing to God, in my opinion, as I study the scriptures, the most important thing to God is not our physical well-being. It is our spiritual well-being. Jesus didn't die for our physical well-being. He died for our spiritual well-being. Romans chapter 8 is a very beautiful passage. And it culminates there when it says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from God. So when you bring all that into our perspective, when we go through difficulties, we need to trust God. I think that's the benefit of prayer. Prayer isn't so much where we say, God, make me better. God, why didn't you make me better? God, please don't let me lose my job. And I lost my job anyway. It's all about us trusting him enough to say, here's my worries, and I'm going to cast my cares upon you. It's like a kid coming to a parent. Now, does that mean that I'll not go through difficulties? Absolutely not. But I'm not going to be worried about them as I would be without a wonderful Heavenly Father. And so, I mean, do we worry about things? Absolutely. Do we stress about things? Definitely. But ultimately, we need to trust in God. So when when the next pandemic comes along, we need to make sure to keep that in mind. And people are, you got the scare tactics, and some of it was genuine. I recognize that. A lot of it was genuine. But we always have to remember God will take care of us. What if I die? God will still take care of you. What if I lose my home? What if I lose all the physical things? God will still take care of you. And it's hard to see until we look beyond this life and realize what God is really protecting and holding and caring for is our soul and our eternal home with him in heaven. So I really think going back, looking at COVID, that's that's one of the things that we learned. The need to trust God. You know, take precautions, but don't become so fearful that we quit serving him. So that's kind of the thought that I had on that. Not very specific verse-wise. There's a lot of things we referenced in there. But let me go ahead and see if anyone has any thoughts or comments about that. Throw the gallery view up there. Anyone have any thoughts about that before we move on to the next one? I'll jump right in. Go ahead. Um, So maybe it's just because we're starting to study Hebrews here, and the Hebrew Christians were facing a dangerous situation, not just... I think it's more than just going back to the old law. It's more of renouncing Christ and all that he offers and all he is. And the Hebrew writer's solution to that crisis point was we need to deepen your faith. We need to help you grow in your faith because a mature faith endures trials and persecutions and calamities. And I think there's a lesson for preachers, at least for me, that is... I think of what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 5, that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and unhypocritical faith, that maybe not that we shouldn't rebuke error in the pulpit, but maybe we focus a little bit more on teaching that deepens faith, seek, seeks to build our audience up to maturity so that when events like this happens, we're not having to do triage as much and 
kind of be reactionary to preaching lessons to fit the moment of, you know, it needs to be timely, but do the preventative preaching that seeks to mature a person so that when we get to these situations, we're not having to go back and relay a foundation like the Hebrew writer did in chapter six. Um, so, Play, you know, it, it became, yeah. So yeah. it became very clear elders and I talked about, we preached through Philippians like a month in to COVID uh, because it became apparent that like, okay, we're, we need some faith building stuff. We need to focus on the joy that God gives in the midst of these ty- types of trials that we're going through. So that's, a, that was my thought on that, to kind of compliment that. So, well, and I think Hebrews 12, the Lord chastens those whom he loves. The challenges we go through are those steps whereby we are chastened by the Lord. We are made stronger. You know? Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on that? All right. So let's see. Sorry about that for you watching the live stream. I was delayed in throwing the gallery view up to you. But let's see. The next one in our list of lessons learned. Paul, if you would tackle this one and introduce it, if you would. Well, as we were beginning our study uh, this morning, uh, the thought was that maybe it would be beneficial for us to talk about the importance of being in person for worship. We all probably realize there are times, depending on where we live, that maybe weather is prohibitive or maybe for a period of time. I know that we had a situation where we had a an outbreak of COVID locally here uh, where we all of a sudden uh, had a service and right after that, we had um, a large percentage of the congregation uh, get sick. And so uh, one of the things that we observed here is the importance of being together, actually physically together. Uh, we did stop meeting in person for a while. And looking back, I could, I could play the uh, hindsight game, but I'll, I'll try not to do that. But in thinking about that, seeing the importance of, of being together, the congregation here really missed that. Uh, we missed being together. We missed sharing together in that. Uh, and uh, the first time we just came back and, and we did the parking lot situation, uh, everyone was just so excited to see one another. And then our first service back in person in the building, um, you know, sitting uh, in the pews together was just, uh, it it was dramatic seeing how much we had missed one another. I think about when Paul talks about the Lord's Supper and he says, when you come together as a church there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, I had that pulled up a moment ago, uh, that um, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Uh, there was a, there was something very special about when they came together and they were all together in one place uh, in engaging in these activities. In fact, he says, therefore, when you come together in one place. Uh, and so as we think about that, I, I just think that we observed uh, that we really missed that. And um, there was a study that was done. I don't know if it's one of those Pew Research or or which it was. But it said that they anticipated that most congregations would decrease in size. Now, this is including denominations and and everyone else would decrease in size by probably 40 or 50 percent. We didn't see that. Uh, We we have seen some 
some decreases, some struggles, some folks who got very comfortable in their pajamas uh, watching uh, services online. And But for the most part, we all just really missed that. And we see the value of the Lord's plan and being together in one place, not seeing each other on a screen, together in one place. And uh, I, I just think that that's a lesson that I've learned through this is how important it is uh, to see one another, even for physical contact. Uh, people were afraid to shake hands. People were afraid to hug. And I, I, I just said, well, you can hug me and you can shake my hand and, you know, whatever. Uh, but I, I wouldn't make someone else uncomfortable by forcing that upon them. Uh, but, uh, but just that personal aspect uh, of being together it's just really an important part of the local congregation in worship, in Bible study, in uh, other uh, environments, just having the opportunity to be together. And I'm just so thankful that we have come out of this. And recently, uh, a bunch of us got together on an individual basis for like a New Year's Eve thing. And, and we look forward to more things like that where we can be together in person. I realize that's an individual activity, not a church-sponsored activity, but... Uh, you understand what I mean. Well, there is a sense where the local congregation is a family, you know. And so while the church itself may not fund those things, we as individuals still want to be with one another. Yeah. Tom, you had a comment? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I actually am wrapping up a, a two-year, one-Sunday-a-month study of First Peter. And, and, you know, he's dealing with persecutions. And, and one of the points that's come out over and over in that particular study is how much we need each other. You know, you know, yeah, and, and, and that builds on Paul's point. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but over the course of the last three to four years, and I know it's been happening, our society has become so much worse morally. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it is so corrupt. And of course, remember, in California, we're at the forefront. We're at the brunt of the laws. But what we get, wait about ten years, and you'll get it. Uh, but, yeah. but, but, but the bottom line is, is one of the points that I brought out continually in First Peter, and I think one of the points Peter is making is, as you're dealing with sufferings and struggling, you need to have a proper attitude toward each other as brethren. Because we need each other. And the more difficult the times are, the more we need each other. Which is why we ought to and must appreciate the importance of the church. Yeah. And, right. and by the way, one real quick one real quick thought on that. I, I make this point about the church all the time. Ephesians 3, 10, and 11 talks about how the church was a part of God's eternal purpose. And it is also a manifestation of the wisdom of God. You know, the, when manifold wisdom of God is made known by the church. And the point of that text is you can look at the church and you can see the manifold wisdom of God. Now, I always like to ask the question, what church is he talking about there? Is he talking about the church in its universal sense or is he talking about the church in its local sense? And, of course, the answer to that is both. Yeah. The local church is just as much a part of God's pattern as the overall concept of the church. And we need to keep that in mind and respect its boundaries and realize if that's true, God knew what he was saying when he told us to be a part of it. So anyways, enough Good said. point. Any other thoughts on that? Tom, I, I appreciate what Tom said on, on the topic. And as I think about that, it's just, 
uh, I know that folks say, well, we could be together uh, electronically. We could be together in, in some kind of study. And uh, I just, I would not argue the same. and say, it, yes, it is not the same. Uh, it, it is not, um, it is not okay for that to be a long-term plan. I don't believe it's okay to, if I were to decide to move out somewhere where there was no local congregation and say, well, that's okay. I'll just engage online. I don't think that's what God's plan is. I don't yeah. think that's right. I, I, I just don't. And I realize that for temporary situations, we've tried. And I think one of our. Do we lose Paul or Paul's froze? Uh, we might have. I love to oh, I like he just say something up. bad about me. And yeah, I think he got. Um, well, while we're waiting for Paul, I'll just throw my comment on Paul's discussion here is amen to everything he said. And yeah. I'm just going to continue his point, not the point I was going to make, but I'm going to continue because I think I know where he's going. Um, I think what we need to keep in mind, I'll bring this up when I cover mine, is all this online stuff is great, but we need to have this understanding that it is a supplement, not a replacement. Yeah. And I thought it was very telling when at the end of 2020, going into 21, Alistair Begg, the denominational preacher out of Ohio, you know, large, large church. They released a five minute video from his office where he says, we've been getting mail that people have been telling us they're using our live stream as their church. So because of that, we are no longer going to be live streaming on Sundays. The sermons will be uploaded on Monday, but we are encouraging you mask up and be part of your local church, support your local preacher and elders be part of the local body. And I thought, you know what? I have respect for that because they they are intentionally saying we don't we're turning away the views, we're turning away all the you know the, all the attention because we believe strongly in the local church. And I thought, you know, that that should have been the attitude. Yeah. Um so yeah. and and quite honestly, Brendan, that was our decision as yeah. an eldership to not streamline. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, to this day, I still don't really know how to do a whole lot. I, I would love to, especially gospel meetings, but, but I was not interested. I was not interested in streaming a morning service live because of the potential for abuse. Well, see, we've, we've been streaming since '08. You know, yeah, you just, did it before the pandemic. Yeah, so. and the one thing that we, it re, and before I ever served as an elder, as a preacher, I would reiterate this, and the elders would would reiterate it to the members. The stream is not for you to stay home and not come to services. It's for when you're sick. Um, sometimes people are away traveling and they are prevented from being somewhere with the saints. It's strictly a means of edification, not a substitute for worship. And I kind of cringe sometimes if I hear someone say, you know, we hope you can join us for worship even online because my thoughts are that's not, you know. Now, during the pandemic, we did for the time period we would we would um, have uh, uh, songs playing with the uh, the words and stuff and music, but the recording that we played was of our own congregation, and it was intended for the because they had some members ask for it so they could sing along at home with it. But it was again a still an aid. It was something to edify, not something to be a substitute for assembling and. You know, one of the big things a lot of congregations have dealt with is some people, when they quit worshiping, assembling with the saints in person, it was hard for them to get back into the habit of going again. And that's, y'all have already touched on that. So 
Yeah. Well, yeah, let's yeah, go and, ahead. And, or go ahead, Tom. Yeah, and we'll John, just real quick. And Ed, uh, I know this. We're we're talking about Brendan's point here, you know. But but uh, but I mean, uh, in many of my videos, my YouTube videos, recording, I will say that at the beginning, if you're in the area, come worship with us. I said this is not intended as a substitute, and I'll I'll emphasize that at the beginning of multitudes of sermons on a monthly basis. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's go ahead and move on. Who was the next one? I think it's uh, Brendan. It's yeah, Brandon with technology. <laughs> or, or Brian. No. It's Brandon. Okay. From my perspective, Brian pointed down like Hollywood Squares and he's pointing at Tom. Yeah, so. he should have been pointing this direction because I'm like <laughs> I'm in the upper right hand corner from what I can see. So <laughs> All right. Well let me put you on full screen and you go right ahead there. Okay. So I think the big lesson for me coming out of this was kind of just the extension of Acts five and verse forty two. Um, where it speaks of the early saints and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We had a big crop of new converts right when COVID hit. And like priority number one for me was we need to make sure they still get edification and they're being taught. Otherwise we're going to lose them. Um, so the first thing we did, I, got on the zoom like everybody else and we started doing a sunday afternoon um new converts class and that lasted about uh, six months or so going through that and zoom opened up or allowed us to continue to do the work we already were doing i was doing an in-person meetup study and we already had people in that so we transitioned that to online um and that actually allowed for me to continue to do some studies with some individuals um, our new conference class turned into just a normal Bible class Sunday afternoons, and we went through Acts. And anyone was really open; anyone was welcome to it. But we handpicked and invited the members who were probably the most in need of edification or that other avenue. But the big, the big thing for us was we wanted to make sure the opportunities for edification and encouragement were still there. So we already were live streaming before COVID hit, uh, and we were using OBS, and that kind of worked sometimes. Um, so we updated our system and everything, and we live streamed uh, everything directly through YouTube. And so as a result, um, oftentimes we have visitors now that show up in person who have already watched the service or already heard the preaching. And so they seem to be much more comfortable than interacting with visitors and you know they kind of already know what to expect um in fact uh one of our deacons his first sunday here i went up to shake his hand says my name's brandon and goes oh we know we've been watching <laughs> and so it it's been beneficial in that um as Kind of our new normal is as we have moved into cold and flu season, what we saw was the in-person numbers dip a little bit, but the online connections tick up. And then that inverts again in the fall, you know, in, in the spring when we're out of cold and flu season. Um, it's also opened up another area of service that we hadn't thought of. And that is uh, it takes two to three guys running the tech station to make sure the live stream and the audio and the auditorium and everything runs smoothly. And so that's opened up an area for maybe some of the men who aren't 
the most comfortable in a public setting, public speaking. This is more behind the scenes stuff, uh, but it, it gets them involved. And the live stream has been a godsend for our shut-ins because before we did that, shut-ins basically had no connection. And, you know, I think it's a common issue in most congregations that sometimes shut-ins get forgotten about. Um, this way, they have some means of connection and they know it's not the same as going in person. Every time I do visitation, that's what I hear from them. It's like, I want to be there. Um, but for one reason or another, they just, they just can't because of health. Um, and so, you know, we, we were live streaming everything. We're just down to the services now and, and Bible class. Well, yeah, just the services. I think it is. Um, and we've changed how we do some things on that. Um, and then YouTube, we greatly expanded what we upload to YouTube now. And Sunday evenings during the pandemic, we did a pre-recorded study. It was on the Psalms and then we did Matthew. Um, and we've had some pleasant surprises because of that. Uh, I got an email a year ago from one of the Methodist churches in town. Their youth group was using our Matthew videos for their youth devotional. Um, and I went, great. You guys are in for a wild surprise when you get to Matthew 28. Uh, but the Beatitudes video has been circulated and watched 1.5 thousand times now. I don't know why that video is the one that's been circulating, but it has been. Um, and, you know, throughout all this, the the evidence that we've seen the fruit for us and this worked for us. We maintained the avenues of edification and encouragement. Our elders did a great job of making sure everyone was getting checked in on and we kept a pulse on everybody. And we were calling in. Uh, they were calling uh, everyone. Uh, and so when we went back to all in-person services, we always had the Sunday morning worship. People were ready. Uh, people were definitely ready. Um, they were appreciative of the Zoom classes and the pre-record stuff, but they said, you know, it's not the same as me being there in person. So. When we came back to all services, actually, we didn't have an evening worship to begin with. It was just an evening Bible class. And so at one point, we had three Bible classes going at one time. Um, and the members really benefited from that. But as a whole, this worked for us. And I think it kind of just opened our eyes that there's technology can be a, a, a positive good for a congregation. It has been for us. Um but, you know, each congregation is kind of got to make the determination for themselves. We had the infrastructure to do all this. One of our elders uh, worked at the former, uh, his last assignment in the Air Force was the GI cable network. And so he had all that audiovisual experience. We had some really smart guys to help out with that. Other groups, it fell mainly to the preacher. And that may not have been tenable for a lot of groups or the know-how is not there. Um, and... You know, in hindsight, we could play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. I'm choosing not to. But coming out of COVID, I think this is, for us, it was a James 1, 3 through 4 event for us. We we were tested, we were tried, and we came through a closer congregation, a stronger congregation. And, you know, it's we, we found our happy medium where we're at on prioritizing the in-person assembly, but also keeping the live stream as that needed avenue for when you're sick or you just can't attend. So that's all I got. Well, I think that's, uh, those were great points. Um, it really, you're right. I mean, there were, 
it's I, I like to I used to joke back then that the pandemic turned nearly every preacher into a TV evangelist. You know, just about, just about. So, all right, and I think we all had similar experiences. So, like Tom's already talked some about what they went through. And mm-hmm. Brian, you were able to do some of the the pre record. Did you y'all did a, an FM broadcast, didn't you? Yeah, only about two weeks. It was a terrible uh, experiment. So um, we uh, uh, we were too close to a major road. Not a lot of FM stations available around here. So um, we did that two weeks, and then we said, let's just move inside, and yeah. whatever the consequences are, we'll accept them. Yeah. I, I wish I could say that all the every, every everything we did was proven to be effective in hindsight, mm-hmm. but the data is just not there. You know, yeah. it was. It's kind of like though. If someone said, "Run up flagpole and see who salutes it," it's kind of like that was going on, and you know, <laughs> never mind. So, any other thoughts before we move on to? Um, well, I guess Tom, you'll be the next one. Any other thoughts on this well, one? Well, Brian was next in the list. But. Well, oh, Brian was. Sorry, I, I don't have my list up. I keep flubbing up. But, Brandy, go ahead real quick, and we'll throw it to Brian. Real quick, That's it. I, I just wanted to bring in the one comment we have on Facebook, and we appreciate Jared Dart watching, and we're glad oh, to have him back. So, let me see if I can bring <laughs> that up We're glad to be back so he can. So, <laughs> there we go. There's Jared State. Boy, it's a nice picture of him, too. Jared has grown a good bit since last time we were in our study. Yeah, he's got a truck, and he's got a solid job, and he's doing good, doing good. He even came out here for a couple of weeks, and hmm. Jared's doing really good. All right, so let's see. All right, Brian, let's throw this back to you now. Well, some good things have been said today, and um, I don't want to go on with what I had to say. Uh, first of all, I thought that the fear conversation was fantastic, um, and I, you know, I think that was the big thing a lot of us dealt with. Uh, John, that might have been the biggest thing that uh, we needed to think about was what are we afraid of? You know, persecution, getting sick, all these things that people were suddenly terrified about. Um, and that was a big lesson to me uh, to think about. Uh, what Paul said about getting together, that was huge. Um, and by the way, that that's an ongoing, just how big a deal it is kind of lesson that we get away with. What Brendan talked about when he's talking about technology, um, that changed a lot of things uh, for us. Um, I mean, you know, the way that we interacted or chose not to interact is all great. I don't have too much of substance to bring into those kinds of statements. So let me just kind of uh, maybe take a little bit of a different path here. Um, When I wrote down what I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about the idea that one of the things we learned See, he'll make decisions that you're not prepared to have to to see long term. And not a big lesson here, but let's just say I know that every one of us, whenever back in March 2020, when we start talking about lockdown and stuff, and remember what everybody's saying, two weeks, we flatten the curve, right? Uh, and we believed it, you know, uh, which is kind of funny that we all the time say, hey, don't trust the world. Don't believe everything you hear. And we believed it. Um and, you know, what do we do? Well, one of the things we sat down and uh, one thing that I would share is that we sat down and asked questions like, well, do we have an authority to close the, to, 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 to close an assembly? Not to not come to an assembly, but to put, uh, to close it down. That's a tough question. That's actually uh, 
Uh, a more serious question, a lot of times, you know, we can consider, does the does a congregation have an authority to, to terminate an assembly? Um, we talked about things like, in, you know, what is the intended purpose of the assembly? What, uh, you know, we had some really great studies about these things. And one of the things where I think we were successful um, that I would share is that we said any decision we make could potentially be something that we're not talking about two weeks, but maybe a whole month of it, um, which, of course, it turned into uh, a year. And we realized, you know, when it comes to decisions that have matters of authority involved, it really isn't about the time frame. What you need to make decisions about is to think about the idea of a decision that could be for the rest of the existence of your congregation. So things like, you know, and 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 I want to be careful how I word this, and I've got a second point to follow up with this, but we would look at it and we'd say, can a congregation worship online? Well, um, we we would say not, you know, somebody might say, well, on one Sunday, but if we don't, if we see the authority to do it one Sunday, we're, we're saying we can do it from now on. And so we knew that that's a bad idea. So so a lot of our thinking, we came to decisions based on what if we have to do this for more than two weeks? What if this is a month? What if this is two months? And so we tried to, to coach our thought processes and our decision making in terms of what if this is just how it's going to be from now on? Um, and we don't know. And so we tried not to make any decisions that we would regret or that if they went on more than you know, a, a month or two, we would say, hey, we can't keep doing it this way. And that was a really, um, that was a really beneficial thought process that we took on. We prioritized. We said, we've got three big things we're concerned about. Number one, the worship and the assembly of the church. Number two, uh, Romans 13 and obeying the law of the land. And number three, the safety of the members. And those aren't equal propositions we decided. We decided we had to prioritize them um and you know of course the scriptures tell us give to god the things that are god first so so he would get worship uh even if that meant in some way violating the law of the land even if that meant putting members in danger which was a tough decision you know to have to make and sometimes that is an important decision that churches have to come up with but let me make my second point and maybe that's a more valuable point in some ways one of the things that we also learned about midway through is that every congregation that anybody had any connection to, uh, you know, that I knew of across town or that, you know, somebody else had a brother that attended or somebody else their kids went to, every congregation did things differently, every single one of them. And there were decisions that were made that we kind of say, oh, uh, that doesn't sound very good or, oh, that... Uh, that's definitely not a good way to go. Um, they did what? And that's probably all of us were in a position where you heard something and said, oh, I, I don't think that was the right decision to make. But one of the things that we had to accept was the idea of, you're going to think I'm going to say autonomy, but that's not it. Expedience was the conversation with, that we had. That the real issue is no two con congregations are the same. Now, I'm going to avoid stepping on what Tom has to say, because I know Tom wants to talk about everybody's different. And that that's actually a little bit of uh, this point here. But one of the things that, that had to be reminded of our members a lot is somebody say, hey, did you hear what this church did? And I'd say, well, wait a second. Demographically, there are a lot of older members there, or there are a lot of members that have to travel there, or there are... Uh, a, a lot of they're a smaller group or they're in a, uh, a region where there's things different. 
And one of the things we had to accept is that not being in their position, we just don't know what is expedient. I think a lot of times brethren aren't familiar with the term expedience, or they don't really appreciate how expedience works into uh, the work of the church. Uh, and yet, uh, Brendan's discussion on why, when to live stream or the comments that were made about whether or not a church should live stream, those are questions of expedience. Does it benefit? It's not wrong to have, you know, uh, a video of, of things that you're doing in the church, but is it more beneficial or harmful? Does it create or foster a sense of learning or does it potentially foster a sense of, I don't want to go to the assembly? And the answer is, it depends. And that's expedience. What is expedient for one group might not be expedient for another. So one of the things that we began harping soon after, as soon as we start hearing chattering, saying, hey, you know what this church is doing? You know what, you know what these people are doing? Uh, and, and of course, some of that was, um, hey, we're, you know, uh, we're not doing that. Maybe we should. Is that no two congregations are the same. And that we make, uh, once we understand the authority of a decision, expedience is a big part of that. Uh, what is expedient for us to make decisions about things like, do we stream? Do we, um, you know, do, how do we assemble together? What does our assembly look like? And it really was never appropriate for us to sit down and say, hey, that other group didn't follow our pattern. Therefore, they're really not quite, you know, uh, I, I, I'll use the word sound. Uh, you can say a lot of different things. They're just not doing things right, whatever you want to say. And we had no place to make statements like that. And looking back, we still don't have a, a decision to make. And, and yeah, some congregations have suffered for what I believe are bad decisions. But in the end, there's a big difference between an authorized or unauthorized choice and an expedient or inexpedient choice. And I'm just going to have to let uh, the Lord sort this one out. I'm sure 2,000 years ago, they struggled, whether it was the famines, the persecutions, with changes like this. And one of the important points is we just really needed to focus on ourselves and do what was expedient for us. Very, very fine points. Um, we've got a couple comments within the guys here. Um, one thing, though, that um, when it came to mind, Brian, uh, Brian, Brian, as you were talking about that, sorry, think about all the sermons that have been preached in your lifetime by other preachers and yourself and my lifetime the same. That would say if the government ever told us we couldn't worship God, we would have to disobey our government. Well, we kind of found ourselves right. waiting, in a manner of speaking, into that without realizing we were already in it in some places. I mean, so it's, yeah, but I think it's a very valid point. Every congregation is autonomous, you know, and I'm not going to restate what you said because you already did it. Brendan, go ahead. <laughs> I think oh, it's a good point. I'm just going to amen Brian's comment. Uh, some of the things that gave me heartburn during COVID was just the lack of understanding expediencies and and just respecting congregational autonomy. I know you didn't use that word, but I'm going to use it. Yeah. Um, and we tend to, f we kind of forgot the other restoration saying, you know, our favorite one is speak where the Bible speaks, be silent where the Bible is silent. You know, the other one was in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And there was some pretty nasty debates and fights that happened online that really weren't showing the love of Christ and the unity that believers are supposed to have. And yeah. just like 
there was congregations where I had friends that preached. I'm like, I'm not sure I could deal with that, but I'm not your elders. I'm not you. I'm not that congregation. And what I wish we had more of, and this is the shoulda, coulda, woulda part, was just giving brethren the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, it was, we had lost all the institutional memory. I'm going to use that term from the last pandemic. I don't know of a single person alive who was in leadership in 1918 who was in leadership in 2020. Uh, so there was no reference point for us to go off of like, how do you handle this? Yeah, It was gone. And so it, it was all new territory. Um, so anyway. Well, as we, we add to that without even talking about congregations, you know, opinions of one another, if you would. Um, and a lot of the chat forums, even within women forums, my wife was kind of talking to me about it. There's a lot of arguing, outright arguing going on about, you know, were the masks not masked, you know, vaccinated and unvaccinated. And we had brethren, people who called themselves Christians, taking some very angry positions and, and takes, if you would, on this stuff. And it didn't foster love and unity among brethren. Well, and that, that goes back up to the first point, right? Yeah. Faith or fear. Yeah. And... You know, I think we look back and we all could have grown more in faith and love and charity. So Exactly. One thing, uh, Brian, there was an issue even before the pandemic that illustrates the very thing that you're talking about. So over the last, it's been going on for 10 years now, but it seems to be more frequently over the last five years, a lot of congregations are dropping their Sunday evening services. Okay. Now, I've always maintained that that's up to them. That's that's it's an expediency. It's a matter of judgment whether or not we meet twice on Sunday, three times on Sunday. If we want to be really holy to God, we'd meet at 2 a.m. in the morning. Well, it'd have to be 11 to keep sure. Well, 2 a.m. Sunday morning, you know, we could do all that stuff. But I have seen brethren highly critical and view other congregations being weak because they choose to go to one service on Sunday. You know, I don't like the idea myself, but I'm not going to look at another congregation and say, shame on you. You're not spiritual. You don't love God as much as we love God. And that those attitudes were even around before we hit the practices of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think Paul addresses that when he says it's not wise to compare yourself against each other, you know, um, yeah. and that's, I think what a lot of people do when they do that. And you said it right, John, this is not a pandemic issue. This is a issue that has been around a long time. We're probably more aware of it because of technology in the sense that we have chats and comments that we can see all the time. Um, I don't hear, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't hear what brethren said in Florida at nearly as much as I do now. So that's that's a little bit of it. But I think it has always been a matter. And this is what it is for me personally. This is my sin. Let me just confess my sin on an Internet audience everybody can hear is that sometimes I want to feel better about myself by putting down others. Instead of trying to, you know, trying to find acceptance by doing what's right, Genesis 4, I'm saying, oh, I'm a little better than, than that guy, you know, and and I tell you what, I slip that direction all the time, where I start thinking, well, at least we didn't do what that church did, um, as, a just, as some kind of strange justification for uh, who I am. And, you know, here's, here's, here's our, our God and Savior shaking his head when Brian thinks that way of, you know, you're a little better than the other church, Brian. Really? That's, that's your justification. Um, and of course, ironically, I, I can't even do that over the, what I said a moment ago, the matter of expedience. So, John, what you're saying is really important. 
that a lot of times it's tempting and we do it we do it personally too right we say hey i'm i may not always be perfect but i'm better than this brother yeah um and and that here's paul and that's probably what paul meant originally in his statement because the corinthians certainly had a lot of that kind of thing going on hey we're we're disciples of paul we're better than the disciples of peter and and uh, that was his frustration there so it's really tempting to try to measure my congregation's success off of other congregations and oh how unwise and unprofitable and f- vain uh, that kind of thinking is well, Brian you're the only Christian I know of that's ever had that problem so you know we can't relate to it I understand <laughs> next is we'll talk about lying so um right, let's move to the last one here real quick before we run out of time and Tom I think that is yours okay we're out of time no <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what? Well, we spent a few minutes introducing ourselves, so I guess if we go we did. over, maybe... Yeah, we were a few minutes late so, starting, so go ahead. You're good. Yeah, okay. Anyways, the last point that I made is one of the things I've observed about the pandemic, and it relates to a lot of what's been said, is that is how people are different. And, and that includes uh, congregational demographics from that standpoint. You know, uh, in virtually every congregation, even within the congregation, you know, we're talking about other congregations what about inside of a congregation where you find it didn't matter how big you were, uh, there was different points of view about, you know, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, assemble, don't assemble, online, not online. Uh, uh, let's see what I forget. I mean, you know, you just keep going down the list and and uh, and uh, oh, fear, no fear, you know, all, 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 all those types of things. And uh, uh, who's right? You know, that, that that brings to a debate. And one of the things that has been brought to my mind, and there's, there's nothing new about this. We know that people are different. But, but I think in this, you know, this is a good time to remind ourselves about how people are different. They're brought up differently. They come from different environments. They, uh, you know, their background, their culture. Uh, uh, the things that are influencing them, that's going to affect the way that they think. And when you say that, you know, I, I'm not just talking about overall. I'm not just talking about appearance. I'm talking about deep down. It affects their thought process, which affects the way that they make decisions. And, and you, you know, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, you can give the illustration of, you know, you try to convert, you try to convince somebody that the Bible does not teach faith alone, as in all you have to do to believe. You know, but if they were raised with that doctrine, you know, uh, you're not going to, you're not just going to show them Acts 2.38 and and convert them. You know, uh, you have to work to overcome that. So the bottom line is, is that people are different, and we need to realize that. And because of that, we have to remind ourselves, and we've talked about this a lot today, is that we're brethren. We have to remind ourselves that we are brethren. You know, the Galatians 5 passage, uh, 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 do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then in the next verse, he says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed. And I'm going to tell you right now, in this world that is looking to criticize Christians, they're sitting back and loving it. They're actually loving it the way that we are just devouring each other. And it is so prevalent 
you know that pe- that people see it and 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 so so we're giving we're giving the lord a black eye when when we behave like that so the bottom line is is um, we need we need to acknowledge that not everybody thinks like me and uh, you, you know what um, i think that romans 14 in the brotherhood is a passage that has been abused by a lot of people you know that's the passage that talks about liberties you know and and there are people that use that to justify to justify doctrinal error you know and and even though we we differ on doctrinal errors and so on we still need to fellowship each other and you know that's not what Paul was talking about but i'll tell you this uh, should you wear a mask or not wear a mask should you get vaccinated or not get vaccinated friends that's romans 14 and you better respect your brother if your brother uh, differs on that. So, you know, we just need to remind ourselves that that we are different. Now, what are some things that we can do about it? And I'm going to this last paragraph here in my thoughts. Here's here's some points to, to help dealing with that. You know, number one, we need to learn to be patient with each other. We have to do And I think that's one of the points Paul was kind of making in Romans 14. Number two, we need to be very slow when we pass judgment on somebody else. John 7, 24, Jesus said, judge with righteous judgment. Number three, you need to realize that as you deal with the differences of others, you know what? They're dealing with your differences too. You know, uh, you know we sometimes don't think of it from that standpoint. Uh, you know, oh, we look at them and how wrong they are, but you just realize that they may be thinking the same way about you. and uh, And that's why we need to have this proper attitude where that is concerned. And, and then the, the thing that's been emphasized by all of us in one way or another, um, love is the answer. Godly Christian love has to prevail. And, and, if, and if we do those things, we can overcome whatever the next thing is, you know, whether it's another pandemic. You know, I mean, we live in, we live in California. That they've been discussing shutting us down again. Uh, masks again. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but you know, what are we going to do this time? And and we have some members in the congregation that have concerns, and so we've got to address all that. But anyways, that's kind of my point when I think about all of this. So we, you know, uh, uh, can't we all just get along? <laughs> you know, an abused statement, but there's truth to it. Yeah. All right, Tom. I appreciate that. Any other thoughts or comments about that? It was think, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Now, I tell you what, let me, let me share one. I'm, I'm going to think we could, if we were going to assign a Bible passage to 2020, I would suggest we assign the following to it. Here we go. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another. For as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Of course, the Apostle Paul continues in the text by telling us to put on love and other in the context there. So something for us all to remember. All right, let me throw it back to everybody one more time, and we will pull our study to a close this morning. Any other, there we go, final thoughts? I'll do a brief Um, review real quick of all the points, but go ahead, guys. 
I was just going to say uh, the COVID uh, experience probably uh, changed the church in our for our generation more than any other experience. Um, and I think that that's uh, it's important that as we come out of that, that we do learn lessons and we do make applications of those things. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. And, and I would say to that, John, Lord willing, Lord willing, we are coming out of this. I believe you know, we are. But yeah, but. But on the other thing, uh, just, just let me say it this way. I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> if I don't have to, I don't want to go through it again. Of course, it could be worse. We could be facing something worse in the future. Well, but, if it was a pandemic of sci-fi story proportions, half the population yeah. be gone now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're watching exactly. these sci-fi exactly. movies, that's the way it always worked. I mean, the first day, quarter of the population is gone. You know, this was... A lot of people lost their life, and it was very tragic. But it wasn't wasn't that. Um, yeah, percentage it, wise, it wasn't it wasn't what it was portrayed to be. Yeah, there there are other things taking lives just as much, you know. Uh, Paul, yeah. Brendan, any other thoughts? Okay, nada, nada. All right, so here we go, real quick. The five points take away the five lessons that we learned from COVID are as follows, or the pandemic, always trust the Lord, the importance of in-person worship. We talked about it being possible to edify brethren using technology as an aid and made a very good point. Don't do things you wouldn't want to do forever. And he had a bonus point to that that I didn't put in there. And <laughs> people are different and will have their own differing viewpoints. So I think that's very, very telling. And so what I tell you what we're going to do next week, I've got slated for us to look at five tips for improving your Bible study. Now, this is not going to be a forever trend regarding how we do our lessons, but for the month of January, we're going to each share five tips, five lessons, five warnings. We have different subjects we'll consider. And then in February, we'll pick up our study of Ecclesiastes. We'll start there in February. And then we'll try to throw some topical studies in, in between our book studies. We might even try doing the, the fourth, the last Thursday of the month as being a Q and a, um, session just depends on how much that we have coming in and everything. But I'd really like to thank you for joining us for our study today. If you'd like to contact us there, you'll see it on the screen. You can follow us on our social media. You can also email us individually, just our first name at truthfactor.com. You can also send questions to us at that address as well. All right, let me quit hogging the spotlight. I'll bring everybody back. And gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me as we started the Truth Factor back. And Lord willing, if everything goes according to plan, we will continue the study next week. And as I said, we'll be looking at five tips for improving your personal Bible study. Appreciate it, everyone. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you next week.